Namaste. So, as part of the series on Shurbindo's uh, writings, we take up today volume 8 of the collected works of Shurbindo under the title Karmiyogin. Now, Karmiyogin, as the name suggests, uh, it was also in the journal which Shurbindo edited soon after his acquittal from the Alipur bomb trial where he was uh, incarcerated for one year in the Alipur jail. So when he came out, by then, Bande Matram had closed. In fact, some of the writings of Bande Matram, the pamphlet Bhavani Mandir, that was used as an evidence against him. But we know how the famous uh, trial took place, uh, Chitran Das speech, Shobindo's experiences, but you know, uh, we will be more focused on the writings. Shubindu speaks about this experience when he comes out. So during that jail period, Shubindu had a very interesting experience, which he later on writes in one of his writings. Uh, Banned, slave or free. So the paradox was that Shubindu was put in jail, in the prison, and he discovered freedom there. The <laughs> So, whereas there are people who are free outwardly, but they continue to remain in the prison. So, this was the interesting transition which takes place. And the patriot, the nationalist who went into the jail, who always we see in Shurabindo, the stream of God running throughout. Uh, the other day I was, uh, you know, based on one of the statements of Shurabindo. Uh, people, you know, say that Shurabindo was an agnostic. Yes, he has mentioned he was an agnostic in the in one of his, you know, Uttarpada speech. But if you look at the trend of Shurbindo's thought right from the beginning, whether it be that poem as a child, light, or when he comes to Baroda, he is reading the Vedas, the Upanishads, the Gita. None of this is, you know, he is writing commentaries on the Isha Upanishad right from 1890. So, agnostic in the sense that he still didn't understand that this is how God works. So, uh, understanding God's ways. So that's one kind of agnosticism which is different from a doubter who is just skeptic for the sake of skepticism. So we just see the stream running throughout, even in Baroda, the experiences with at Chandor, the experience at Sankracharya Temple, Parvati Hills and um, the Godhead, all these that right through we see the undercurrent of spirituality running. Time to time it emerges, then goes down. So there is a preparation going on and during that period, especially in 1905, when the Bengal separation took place. Shobindu plunged actively into the revolutionary movement, started editing the journal called Bande Matram, along with the help of few others. Now, during that time, also God is there in his life, but he's, he says that in his own words, he is praying to God so that he gets the power to liberate the country. So the country and nation are foremost. And God is behind. And when he goes into the jail, God steps into the forefront. And the country is included within God. So, if I may put it in this way, in Bandre Matram, we see God in the country, in Shobhita's writings. And after coming out of the Alipur jail, he sees the country in God. So, he is assured fully that this is going to be a success, everything you know, during that Alipur jail, that experience of Vasudevam Sarvamiti, it's a transformative experience. And the Shurbindo that walks out of the Alipur jail is not just inwardly free, he is one who is capable of leading a whole humanity towards the highest possible freedom. So quite naturally, when he comes out, he the Bande Matram is closed. Much of the revolution has, people were incarcerated, they were deported to Andamans. It was a massive crackdown, if you use the modern term, which the British government had done on the then revolutionaries. And when he came out, the movement was in a scattered state. Many or some people were deported, some had gone into hiding. So the whole thing was broken. So this was the context. And during that period when everything is broken, now you have to wake up the country again. You can't just leave and go away. So Shubindu starts a new journal and that is called the Karmiyogin. He was the best, I mean the name bears testimony to who Shubindu is. You know, in one of the poems of Shubindu, we find the state of an ideal Karmiyogin described. One of them is divine worker and the other is Jeevan Mukt. So he was a Jeevan Mukt, he was free. And during that period when he writes, we can see the change that comes in the writing itself. And this journal was a weekly review. Basically, 
normally newspapers journals carry the uh, report of everyday events so that we see in bande matram a lot events taking place and based on that should be this experience uh, expressing his views but in karm yogin we see that he is undertaking the task of the awakening of the national spirit and its regeneration so suddenly the revolutionary movement seems to it's still there but as if unless the national spirit awakens unless there is a regeneration of india this will once again fall into the wrong hands and it will go the wrong way so karmyogin was um, uh, launched by shurbindo on a date which is of course uh, very dear to me <laughs> it was launched on 19 june 1909 <laughs> so and it was a weekly review now shurbindo writes in the weekly review that it's a weekly review of national religion literature science philosophy etc so the purpose seems to be different than bande matram bande matram was meant to uh, cry for poon swaraj freedom that is there in karmyogin also but that shift is subtle but very palpable as we go through the pages of bande matram uh, of karmyogin and the journal lasted barely from uh, 30th may uttarpada speeches there 19 june it starts 1909 and as we know that uh, march and shubindu was already under sailing orders next year so the journal has lasted barely 7 8 9 9 months basically but in 9 months he had given birth to a new nation in the ideative realm that's how if you look at it um, uh, many times people don't understand that oh it was for a short period it's not uh, to be seen that way see when the seers conceived of uh, india this conception became imprinted upon the race and over a period of time the centuries will unfold it millenniums will unfold it that is the way yogin works thus was a seed cast in endless time a word is spoken a light is shown the ages toil to express so this is how shobindo worked and he had uh, you know started this work with bande matram and then it shifts to karmyogin karmyogin and dharma these were the two journals he was editing dharma is in bengali and that we'll speak about next time so this is the review and uh, the first very first thing that we find which was published in the first very first issue was the famous uttarpada speech so the speech was given on 30th may um, the newspapers had reported it and shobindo before publishing made some corrections so that it goes into the Uh, mode of writing there is a difference between written speech and conversational speech as we all know so it went into the written board after some corrections some additions some of these things and there we see um the objective that shurbindo has undertaken upon himself uh, uttarpada speech the occasion was that many people had called him the hindu sabha had called him Uh, to give a talk on the protection of the hindu religion so shurbindo goes there and if you read through the uttarpada speech he speaks about what hindu religion is what is sanatan dharma what it means um, to safeguard and what it means to belong to the stream of sanatan dharma and at the end he says that you know i don't know whether what you had called me for i have spoken about that i have spoken the words that god has put into my mouth and that's how it it started uh, just a portion i'll read when i was asked to speak to you at the annual meeting of your sabha which is the hindu sabha it was my intention to say a few words about the subject chosen for today the subject of the hindu religion i do not know now whether i shall fulfill that intention for as i sat here there came into my mind a word that i have to speak to you so in that jail period and even you know before we see that uh, during that period that year before he went to jail he had the experience of the nirvana in uh, 1908 january and then 1908 he is uh, in may he is inside the alipur jail so there was a series of experiences going on that time which were pulling him in a very different direction right from that point uh, he was as if being called to a, a new journey to a vaster journey to a much greater work but uh, quite naturally he wanted the country to be free first and that's where 
he has the vision of Vasudeva and he asks him that why have you brought me here right now and then Vasudeva Shri Krishna reveals to him that because he has a much greater work to do which those promptings were being given to him but uh, naturally he was attached to the country and so he brought him here to show him what exactly is the work that he has to do. So one of the work that he had to do was to speak to the world the word, the new, in a new word, the same truth of the Sanatan Dharma. Sanatan Dharma is eternal law of life, but it has undergone a period, it has undergone a degradation over a period of time, which is what is known as Dharma Siglani. So now, one of the work that is entrusted to Sri Aurobindo is to revive the Sanatan Dharma. So it's very interesting that he has to revive the Sanatan Dharma. And this revival is not about just reviving the old tradition, customs and culture. This is what we normally think. It is to revive the core that I think last time we were speaking about. That every religion has a core. If we use the word religion, though it's, it doesn't really apply in the way we mean religion in English to Sanatana Dharma. But in every religion there is a core of mystic experience. And then there is a metaphysics and philosophy and then there is an outer body of culture, customs, tradition. Uh, now, very often over a period of time, we are lost in culture, custom and tradition. So, the core tends to go into the background. Now, what happened to Sanatan Dharma was that it remained alive because of countless seers and sages. Unlike other religions where you have one God, one book, fortunately, and I must say it's a big, big, big blessing that in Sanatan Dharma, we don't have one book, one God. We put it like that. It's a great advantage. It allows for multiplicity, for diversity of approaches. It allows, allows for freedom, flexibility. I mean, it's so much in sync with the modern generation. You tell everybody that you have to do the same thing every day at a fixed time. It's, it's today, it's, it's not a rigid dogma. You, you allow different approaches. Of course, there is only one divine. That it, it's common sense. Uh, let alone any relation, you know. But it allows multiplicity of approaches to the one divine. So, uh, when he comes out, he reveals in this talk about the truth of Sanatan Dharma. And Sanatan Dharma, he says, reconciles not only different religious approaches, but it reconciles the intuition of science, the discoveries, modern discoveries. So it's a very vast and Catholic way of life, where it's an all-inclusive, not only in terms of religious faith, but in terms of human experience every day. So one of the tasks was to revive this Sanatana Dharma at its core. And uh, he writes about this to Motilal Roy in one of his letters in 1912, just around the same time that mother is giving a talk on the work she has come to do. So here, the work that he has come to do is, one of them is the Sanatana Dharma, and then to create a little nucleus for evolution. So he says, I do not know whether I will fulfill this intention, but I have something to say. A word that I have to speak to the whole of the Indian nation. It was spoken first to myself in jail and I have come out of jail to speak it to my people. When I went to jail, the whole country was alive with the cry of Bande Matram. Alive with the hope of a nation. The hope of millions of men who had newly risen out of degradation. So, during that period, Sri had roused the nation. But, as we know that, and he will explain all this toward the end, why the movement suffered a setback, everything. So, and very beautifully about the whole yoga, life, collectivity, beautifully we see this in Karmyogin. So, when he comes, he realizes that during that one year, the entire movement has been broken. Now, ordinarily, that's what marks the ordinary and the extraordinary. The ordinary person will say, what can I do? See, sir, God has not... Uh, granted me what I wanted. It was God's work that I wanted to do. But you see, he has broken it. So let me accept it and stay quiet. But that's not how Sri looks at it. When I came out of the jail, I listened for that cry, but there was instead a silence. So he had awakened the cry of Bande Matram, but everywhere there was a hush and a silence. A hush had fallen on the country and men seemed bewildered. For instance, of, instead of God's bright heaven, full of the vision of the future that had been before us, there seemed to be overhead a laden sky from which human thunders and lightnings rained. 
no man seemed to know which way to move and from all sides came the question what shall we do next what is there that we can do so it was a huge shift taking place within the indian nation and it's so relevant to us for all times because don't we go through states when this bewilderment confusion we have undertaken a line of advance and suddenly we see the skies overcast with all kinds of voices that deny that resist so shubindu is giving his personal example i too did not know which way to move i too did not know what was next to be done so this aspect of uttar pada speech needs to be highlighted there have been uh, of course talks a whole talk on uttar pada speech so this on karmi yogin so i am not taking up in detail but this aspect of uttar pada speech what should we do when such things happen in individual life collective life life of a nation life of humanity what happens to us we are in despair but what does shurbindo do he says i too did not know which way to move but one thing i knew that's why he would keep reminding us what we must always remember one thing i knew that as it was the almighty power of god which had raised that cry that hope so it was the same power which had sent down that silence why that he tells us in the last you know publication of karmyogin the last article which is written possibly in chandanagar and then sent or was written and left there when he left for chandanagar and let that suspense remain so he says the same almighty power that had raised the cry went into silence so look at the way he is looking at the whole thing and that's why when later on people would ask him sir what if something fails he says why world has advanced with half a dozen revolutions all of which seem to fail at that time <laughs> and here we see uh, that aspect of uh, shurbindo as krishna very soon we will see uh, the one year uh, after the karmyogin Uh, that people don't understand in the ranachod so right now we can see the krishna uh, speaking through him um, he who was in the shouting and the movement was also in the pause and the hush so this is what we have to remember every time that we go through this partition of this world into something which is god and something which is undivine is the last hurdle that one has to cross but one must cross if one wants to enter into the utter unity of course one has to go through steps and stages if we do it prematurely um, unwisely then we'll create a confusion but we must understand that behind everything there is the almighty power and if we can lean upon that with trust and faith then eventually it will take us through everything this is what we discover in uttar pada speech so now each issue of karmyogin carried a number of things uh, just to the skeleton part of it so there was there is a very interesting column facts and opinion so uh, shubindo uh, later on he would elaborate it he would say there are the facts facts are what which we observe though that also is debatable but there are facts then there are opinions opinions and views views are those which um, you know that which we carry within us like as a child i had this view that somebody who drinks is a bad person you know because that's how i i had this view because of you know my parents or somebody who eats non vegetarian is a great puppy uh, then you discover later on that there are people who are vegetarians but they suck human blood uh, that's <laughs> and they are very honest people uh, paying all the taxes sitting in Uh, high tech stores but they pickpocket you the mentality is the same but that you discover much later when you begin to look into it so opinions are something which you form but beyond opinion and views is the truth that will come later so here we see facts and opinion but already if you start looking at shubindo use the word opinion but one can see that he is touching the core of things so this column later on changed to passing thoughts which was just for few issues then there were one or two leading articles with the same subjects in more depth literary works including translations from the sanskrit and the bengali there were poems like who invitation baji prabhu uh, they but if you look into the volume we won't find these 
because they have they've been transported let us say the poem who invitation baji prabhu chitrangda written in uh, in karmi yogin the journal are shifted to collected works of shirbindo volume 2 the poems so similarly there are number of essays state of masculine um, the strength of stillness which was there in karmi yogin journal but they are shifted into essays in philosophy and yoga so we will not find all the articles then early writings early um, commentaries on the upanishad the isha upanishad the kena upanishad the katha upanishad they are again shifted into upanishads of course those writings shirbindo did uh, correct them uh, because they were also brought out in the arya so when we look at the volume we must know that this volume is not exhaustive and inclusive of everything that shirbindo actually wrote during that period in karmi yoga in the journal so they are there in different places which of course is mentioned in the volume itself transcriptions of speeches some of them were revised by shirbindo for publication in the karmi yogin articles and speeches by other persons which will not be there in the volume obviously articles written for the karmi yogin by other persons which will not be there in this collected works volume two or three pages of ordinary news per issue but these these news are very interesting in one of the news uh, items shirbindo speaks about sir jc bose discovery and he says that it is a discovery which has long lasting impact upon humanity that life is involved in matter so if you really look at it um, it's is wonderful and then of course there were some advertisements now when we look at uh, the karmi yogin bande uh, matram was like any other journal nicely it was written bande matram and except for the pamphlet on bhavani mandir where you see a diagram which is drawn karmi yogin issues contained uh, that image of shri krishna with arjuna the charioteer and the and arjuna in that rath on the battlefield of kurukshetra it was carried on every issue of karmi yogin very beautiful image and as we know shirbindo has spoken about this image as typical of the relationship between the human disciple and the divine that is typified in um, in in the mahabharata but characteristically between arjuna and uh, krishna so that is the image picture that was carried through and through so we'll just uh, read a, read some of these um, beautiful writings very powerful but first shirbindo writes what is the purpose for which karmyogin has come into existence and that he clarifies the karmyogin comes into the field to fulfill a function which an increasing tendency in the country demands the life of the nation which once flowed in a broad and single stream has long been severed into a number of separate meager and shallow channels so what happened over a period of time number of sects if you really look at it um, if you go back to the original times you won't find like you know this is bhakti yoga this is karmi yoga this gyan yoga <laughs> but over a period of time all these different different paths then sects then subsects and then invasions so everything got mixed up so once again uh, here to uh, bring them all together but in a new and higher synthesis so this was one of the works that shirbindo was here to do the tendency is now for these streams to unite again into one mighty invincible and grandiose flood to assist that tendency to give voice and definiteness to the deeper aspirations now forming obscurely within the national consciousness is the chosen work of the karmyogin and there is something very interestingly he says that what is lacking in india is the union of brahmatej and kshatratej he says they are required you can't just have a political movement just because you can give speeches you are a leader it's not an abramtej is the power of knowledge that comes by tapasya and shadtej is the power the strength aspect of the divine both are needed and that he says uh, repeatedly even toward the end he says the time has come when ramdas and shivaji must come together mazini and uh, kuber they must come together so we know that you know ramdas was the brahmatej standing behind shivaji with the kshatratej and the other example mazini garibaldi and kuber they united italy so but the mind behind was uh, 
Kuwaits and uh, Mazzini was the uh, front piece and of course Garibaldi and Mazzini together they were working in div- so he says the time has come when the two must come together and then only there will be a hope for the national resurgence and this is something which i would say that 100 150 years down the line he has foreseen that in india a time should come when these two must come together for true leaders and then he further clarifies that the karmyogin will be more of a national review than a weekly newspaper we shall notice current events only as they evidence help affect or resist the growth of national life and the development of the soul of the nation political and social problems we shall deal with from this standpoint seeking first their spiritual roots and inner causes and then proceeding to measures and remedies so he has made it very clear this is called honest journalism not like you know um trying to be seemingly that we are neutral in if at all neutral journalism ever exists this is one of the biggest bogies created in this world that we are a neutral um, you know either a channel or a newspaper this is the this is the f- best way to enter into the minds and put in a kind of thought process so uh, it's done very much the, the entire leftist ideology works like that that you know we are very we don't take sides we are analytical and we whatever is true by analysis that we accept but actually uh, this is a door to which people are very open and when it enters it captures the mind it looks like a very logical door but it is not one can see through the whole facade so he says that we want to look at events only from the spiritual standpoint because that's the vision that has developed and that's how we are going to look at these events there are different ways and one can take an example the mahabharata battle if uh, different journalists were reporting so what would a typical bbc journalist report that he would say that you know uh, when he comes when it comes to krishna so he will say that you know there was a mill cowherd's man who somehow chanced to be the charioteer of the prince arjuna and you know he actually didn't lift an arm and time to time used to counsel arjuna who sought counsel there's a very honest journalism neutral journalism and then you will have slants that basically you know krishna was favoring them because after all he had his own stakes involved that's how <laughs> balram looked at it uh, or if you have the pandava journalists as he was very good wise counsel for all of us but what is the spiritual vision the spiritual vision is there was nothing else but krishna so this is the standpoint that he says because this is a faculty which has opened in him so he says that from that standpoint we are going to see in a similar spirit we shall deal with all sources of national strength in the past and in the present seeking to bring them home to all comprehensions and make them applicable to a life dynamic and not static creative and not merely preservative so he makes it very clear that many old systems outer crust are going to go away and uh, to give an example of this creative and not static is like uh, if you look at the um, 100 200 years back and perhaps even now some people hold on to going daily to temple i don't know how this tradition came maybe after sunday church we just uh, imitated that that you know every sunday we must go uh, then you should take a bath and clean yourself then only you sit for um, do puja and sometimes i have seen very strange things one swami ji traveling and he won't do his puja why because in the train he didn't have he couldn't take a bath so i told him that that the take a bath in the bathroom and sit for your meditation no no the water is dirty so i said okay that station we found out myself and mon misri so we checked and we said oh there is a station which is going to come the train will stop for 10 minutes you can just rush and we'll keep a watch no no i don't know whether i can make it or not so i said <laughs> because of your bath you are not doing your meditation and your pujas which you believe in so this is the old world the new world is that well the temple is within ultimately this is what this is going to teach us this is okay it's not that temples are there very useful thing but ultimate uh, temple is inside they are a rep, you know we have the original is here that is something which is like a symbol similarly the scripture shubindu says the eternal veda is secret within the heart of every human being so if we don't open it then just reading the scriptures every day jay anuman gyan gun sagar but inside there is neither gyan nor gun 
Only we are sailing in the sagar. <laughs> like a, a hopeless and helpless fellow. So it doesn't work like that. So these aspects which we read must be interjected and become applicable to our life. That's what he is saying. For if there is no creation, there must be disintegration. So what was happening with India over a period of time, and this is what happens with every life. In fact, in the synthesis of yoga, the very first page, first article, he writes, starts like that. To be perpetually reborn is the condition of immortality. This is a law of life. You are either moving forward or you are going down. There is nothing like static in creation. We may think we are static. And Amrita in one of his uh, writings, very few things he has written, visions and voices. He, when I, re- I had first read it there, uh, I mean in terms of its import and it had hit me. It is there in Shubindu's writings. But when he wrote that, you know, in sadhana you are either moving upward or downward. I said, this is too much. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there must be a middle place. There is no middle place. Then I realized that what he is really meaning is, everything is in motion. Either you are moving forward or backward. There is actually, the static feeling is an illusion. We may think we are static, but by the very fact that we are static, we are actually slowly sliding backward because the world is advancing. Even if it be with one centimeter, half a centimeter. So here he makes it very clear that for if there is no creation, there must be disintegration. If there is no advance and victory, there must be recoil and defeat. So again we see these sutras which are always there for life. And what happens with people? Uh, In yoga it happens when you start, you are all full of enthusiasm, joy. I will read this, I will do this. But over a period of time things enter into a mechanical mode. We stop advancing. That's why he speaks about the flame of aspiration which must be constant. And many times things happen just to rekindle it. You forgot to light your lamp inside? Okay, okay Lord. So he comes and lights it. Now when we read these writings in Karim Yogin, the very next issue or couple of issues later, he is writing as if he is seeing through not years and decades, but perhaps centuries. 1909 Look at this writing A nation is building in India today Before the eyes of the world Now if you read it today I had read it like that Of course I knew the background But often you will see this writing going In some of Shurabindu's books And if you read it You will wonder Maybe uh, a nation is building Probably Shobinda in 1909 is speaking about a nation being built when? When all the movement of Bandi Matram and all those revolutionary movements have been silenced. This is called faith. This is called vision. This is called aspiration. When everything is fine, there is no vision required. There is no faith when faith is when there is the darkest of hour. If you really look at the time, darkest hour was before the Bandi Matram. But then when that is silenced, people must have felt, oh, after all, the moderates were right. Look what has happened. So he speaks about, in fact, when Shrivindu says in, in Karmi Yogi, in several places he speaks about God. God is driving this movement. God is driving this movement. So there was some contemporary newspaper which would criticize him for that. Bengali, then statesman. So one of them writes, what is this? He is all the time talking about God. Ashwini Kumar Datta is gone. Can there be another leader like him? So Shubindo explains. He says, I don't mean to say that Ashwini Kumar Datta will be created again by God. I am saying that God is driving the movement. He will create means and forces and people to fulfill what he has ordained. See, this is the difference. We look at events, people, surface, circumstances... But he has looked at the idea force. So he saw that time that who is driving this movement, it is God who is driving the movement. So on that basis he could tell, when Purani ji said that, look, you know, I, I mean, 1918 when he met Shurabindu, that he was, there were many people moved by his writings. So they couldn't understand why he has gone into uh, so-called seclusion in Pondicherry. So he said that, but I have love for my country, I can't, you know, uh, take to yoga until the country is liberated. So Shubhinder remained quiet for a while. Then he told him, um, what if you get an assurance that uh, the country will arrive at freedom, will, India will gain independence. 
So he asked, who will give me that assurance? Shubhinder remained quiet for a while. Then he said, what if I give you the assurance? And he says, okay, then I will take it. So Shubhinder said, I am giving you the assurance. Now how could he give the assurance? Facts are very different. He could give the assurance because he had seen that it is God who is driving the movement and therefore it is bound to arrive at fulfillment through whatever ups and downs and challenges that may come. His ways are inscrutable. So he says a nation is building in India today. It looks like today, just fresh. <laughs> you know, most newspapers, articles grow stale. Here is today. Today sounds like today is Naya issue Karm Yogin Kaya hai. And Shrivinder is writing. This is an eternal today. A nation is building in India today before the eyes of the world. So swiftly, so palpable palpably that all can catch the process <laughs> and those who have sympathy and intuition distinguish the forces at work the materials in use the lines of the divine architecture I have no clue whom he is referring to who can see the process and 1909 same period when a Tamil newspaper had interviewed him what do you foresee he said I foresee revolutions amidst which India will get freedom so, this is Shurbindo writing in Karmi Yogin in 1909. When you see that context, you are surprised by the far-reaching. Even India's freedom is nothing. India is right, a nation is building and he's using the word swiftly. And actually, if we see 1909 or when India got freedom, 1947, people often ask this question that, you know, where is India today and all that. I say, just look at the time frame. And when you look at regardless of the governments, thankfully it's not in spite of that, I would put it. Look at how India today, I mean, I was reading that, uh, hearing that little talk by the Honorable Transport Minister, where he says, you know, why should we, Tesla's something better we can make? Of course, that is one part of. But even the national resurgence, the spirit, the, um, the spirit of the Vedas and the Upanishads, the Gita, how it is spread world over, Vedanta, all these things. It's very interesting the way the spirit of India is rising and reaching out. And that's what Shubhindu says, India is rising not for itself but for the world. Right in Uttar Pada's speech. And 1909 he had foreseen, which today perhaps we can say, looks like it is happening. He uses the word swiftly. When you look at millenniums, it is swiftly. 100 years is nothing. The nation is not a new race raw from the workshop of nature or created by modern circumstances. One of the oldest races and greatest civilizations on this earth. The most indomitable in vitality. If ever there is a civilization which tries to come remotely clo close is Greece during its heydays. Otherwise, if you look at Bhishma, Arjuna, each one of them, you feel, my God, one of them is enough. Jada <laughs> nichaye, we need just one of them. And that kind of vitality, even in Greek um, Iliad, you don't find that kind of, you know, uh, tremendous vitality. And in every field, not only this, whether it be Sangeeta Shastra, Natya Shastra, Kala Shastra, um, Vigyan, every sphere, what a tremendous vitality. Creating, creating, creating every kind of thing. The most fecund in greatness, the deepest in life, the most wonderful in potentiality. After taking into itself numerous sources of strength from foreign strains of blood and other types of human civilization. Is now seeking to lift itself a good into an organized national unity. And the biggest ingratitude that... Uh, Indian politicians, here it comes to the politicians, who could do to Shirobindo was that literally wipe him off from the history of, you know, Indian thought. Literally. I have read history. Did any of you read Shirobindo? Even as a nationalist freedom fighter, even a casual passing mention, why did we only read about just a few people? That's the ingratitude of a nation, for which it has paid very dearly. The wars, the all that, you know, happened subsequently. At least now, with the 150th year, I hope, and it's happening to an extent, that 
India recognizes that here is the, look at how, what he speaks about India forget everything else he speaks about India this way I'll read it again greatest civilization one of the oldest races and greatest civilizations on this earth the most indomitable in vitality the most fecund in greatness the deepest in life the most wonderful in potentiality now if we really just pick up that these little strains it's enough to uh, invigorate us so he says toward that that this is the faith in which the karmyogin but we go further and believe that it is sure to succeed because the freedom unity and greatness of india have now become necessary to the world so it was not just about india shobindo's nationalism is not the asuric nationalism where it wants to dominate over land it's not even the ideological warfare kind of nationalism where one idea must dominate the world it is because the good of the world demands and needs india to rise when we look at life that way you know uh, then we understand the true sense of nationalism it is not asuric but daivik in its scope and action we believe that god is with us and in that faith we shall conquer we believe that humanity needs us and it is the love and service of humanity of a country of the race of a religion that will purify our heart and inspire our action in the struggle and then he says the task we set before ourselves is not mechanical but moral and spiritual there is a mighty law of life a great principle of human evolution a body of spiritual knowledge and experience of which india has always been destined to be guardian exemplar and missionary this is india this is what he is bringing out and placing before the world i hope we indians are listening the sad part is you know we end up with a kind of kichdi and a view of history where it seems we were some primitive race whom <laughs> some white man or bearded man or some man came and awakened and aroused that look here you know you learn how to live learn how to behave and they took away our natural they took away our soul and sold it for a knife and cutlery knife and fork and cutlery literally you know selling your soul for a for a bowl of porridge so this what has happened and shurvindo what he has written applies so he says under the stress of alien impacts this is the sanatan dharma under the stress of alien impacts he has largely lost hold not of the structure of that dharma but of the living reality so structures were still there temples were there rituals were there for the religion of india is nothing if it is not lived it has to be applied not only to life but to the whole of life this is the karma yoga sarva karmani in everything it's no point and this the spirituality will subsequently he'll bring out all life is yoga so it's not enough that mother put it very beautifully she says it's not enough that if you go uh, for meditation for some time you are in that state when you come out when you take a walk when you meet with your friends all the time this must be there as the forefront this is the basis of yoga not like for some time when i go to temple i'll do pranam when i come out then i am seeking the shop of the asura so that i can gain my tinsels so this where shubhendra reminds it has to be applied to whole of life we can see now the seeds of all life is yoga already there its spirit has to enter into and mold our society our politics why not it is the truth of life it should come everywhere the people who say no 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 we must have politics must be secular secular politics means that i have an idea according to which i will it means a mentalized structure but spiritual politics means which is different from religious uh, religion ideological belief system is different it means that we are moved by the breath of the spirit by the awakened soul of a nation by the genius of a race that's what is politics about so into politics our literature our science our individual character affections and aspirations so you know sometimes you hear it no no nowadays this is the custom thing like you know everybody you meet on the road you embrace and you know no this is the in thing nowadays so you know it may be in thing and it's okay it's not that there is something for or against but there is something called as indian character and temperament 
So when we do namaste, it is something very beautiful and graceful. And there is such a deep sense within it. So all this sense of the Indian character, noble in temperament, uh, that's what has to be brought out. To understand the heart of this dharma, to experience it as a truth, to feel the high emotions to which it rises and to express and execute it in life is what we understand by karma yoga. So he has described karma yoga. First is to understand the heart of this dharma, to experience it as a truth, a living truth. So Krishna is not just a story, a legend, a myth, but Krishna is the inner divine reality. To feel the high emotions to which it rises and to express and execute it in life is what we understand by karma yoga. We believe that it is to make the yoga the ideal of human life that India rises today. By the yoga she will get strength to realize her freedom, unity and greatness. By the yoga she will keep the strength to preserve it. It is a spiritual revolution we foresee and the material is only its shadow and reflex. So very clearly Shurabindu has set the ball rolling, the right note and the tone. So powerfully, because it's important to define what a nation is about, its soul. This idea of merging everything, all is God, all is unity, oneness, whole world is one, humanity is one. You know, then why you stay with humanity? Why not keep a snake as pet? Why stop with humanity? What's so great about humanity being one? Then everything is one. Huh? Eat uh, poisonous herbs and say all is one, doesn't matter. This is to lose discernment. Yes, humanity is one, but it is not by brushing off the distinctions. It's not by uniformity that we can realize unity. It is by each one, just like each individual must rise to his highest. Then he can contribute to the sum total. If everybody is copying everybody else, then we'll have a big imitative structure. And that is one of the most beautiful things, uh, many beautiful things about uh, Shurabindu's. <laughs> but when I came here, I said, oh, this is so wonderful. You don't have to wear a particular dress to be qualified that I am now practicing Shurabindu's yoga. It's not about uniformity. It's about unity where each one proceeds along his own lines, his own swadharma, Ultimately, it will evolve into the totality of things. But this is something so beautiful. It creates difficulty initially. Because obviously, you know, you don't have a uniform system. But in the end, it is very enriching. So it is God's will that we should be ourselves and not Europe. Whole passages. Positive of time, we will not, you know. So this is very powerful. Um, Everything is very powerful. We say to the individual and especially to the young who are now arising to do India's work, the world's work, God's work. So those who want to live for India, who want to do good to India, what they must do. You cannot cherish these ideals. Still less can you fulfill them. If you subject your minds to European ideas... And look at life from the material standpoint. India's whole approach is reversal. We look at matter, don't discard it, but look at it from the spirit to matter. Whereas European looks at the spirit from the material standpoint. It's an outward within view. But we have that top-down view of life. So that's why we can say that, you know... Vasudev Putumbakam. What does it mean? Otherwise, we'll say, biologically we are one. That's the inversion of that view. Biologically we are one. Socially we are animals. And therefore we are nothing better than hyenas and tigers. But when you look at the top-down view, you say we have one origin. Then all these religious, sectarian, ideological differences just vanish. You realize that the one is manifesting himself in countless ways. Materially you are nothing, spiritually you are everything. We'll read this passage and stop. We'll do it in, I think, two, um, two talks. It's very powerful. It is only the Indian who can believe everything. So people often say that, what is this kind of, you believe that, you know, Pathar, you worship a stone. Somebody at once actually asked me this. What is it? You are worshipping a stone. I said, no, no, no. We dare to see God in stone. 
You don't dare to see it. So there is a difference. We dare to see God in river. We dare to see God in the stars. And not only we dare to see, we have the capacity to awaken and find the response of God from the most dull inert material called stone. That is by the barbarians regarded as murti puja, idol worship, idolatry. No, it is a daring. We don't say God is only in stone. We don't say that only you have to do it that way. We know God is inside. Old story. And we know that he has to be found here. But we also know that because he is not only within me but in the whole creation, then by that faith, by that aspiration, by that call and prayer, in everything we can discover the Godhead. So this is the this is India's gift to the world. So he says, it is only the Indian who can believe everything, dare everything. People often say, do you really believe in those stories that Hanuman was flying? Yes, we believe it's possible. Yogis do talk about these siddhis. And one day, probably the human body will become light. And after all, very logically I am saying, again, this was one of the subjects. I said, what is so uh, unusual about Hanuman flying? It's not about that subject. What you really need to fly? All that you need is to find a way to defy gravity. That's all. If you find a process, you can fly. Now, is there a process to that? Well, if we search and discover, we may discover maybe some element within us or some kind of energy. If you take it, the body can become light. That's all that you need to defy gravity. What is so complicated? Just because billions of years one cannot fly. What if the body transmutes into a new material? After all, so we do believe, we do believe that there was an age when people could, on the tip of an arrow, have a nuclear, uh, you know, blast possibility. We do believe that Ravana did have a Pushpak Viman. And today we of course have many Pushpak Vimanas. We do believe it. So it says, believe everything, dare everything, sacrifice everything. First, therefore, become Indians. The capacity to dare the impossible. And when we look at our rishis, sages, how they could dare, even the they could dare death. I mean, one of the most inspiring passages in Ramayana to me was not about Rama and Ravana. That was a foregone conclusion. <laughs> but that passage where Parshuram and Rama and Lakshmana Sambhad goes on and Parshuram challenges him. He has made the whole... Uh, Indian subcontinent or the earth seemingly Kshatriya Vihin and he challenges that you know your younger brother is too talkative tell him to shut up otherwise I'll challenge him to fight so then Rama intervenes please don't say that you don't know whom you are challenging <laughs> if you, even if death challenges us it will think twice so all this is fine as an elder you can scold all this is fine don't do this mistake of challenging because, you know, we are come from the solar dynasty and if we take to it, then we don't know what will happen to death and what will happen to you instead of it talking. Now, this is called daring everything. Look at Rama with an army of monkeys marching to fight an Asura. This is Yuri part one. <laughs> Original. But not a commando action in hiding. In the open. Can you imagine with the army of monkeys, you are marching on to the most powerful giant with all the asura, with all the forces and powers at his command. Indrajit as his aide, Kumkarna and asura army, it was not ordinary. This is called daring everything. Yes, we will cross the ocean, we will find a way because Janaki has to be rescued. This is called daring everything. Abhimanyu, I will dare to split up this chakravyu. What if you don't return? Doesn't matter. This is called daring everything. So he says, Indian who can dare everything, sacrifice everything. Recover the Aryan thought, the Aryan discipline, the Aryan character. Aryan discipline is not something outward or get up in the morning, do five times, you know. We are not that skull cap and panchwar parnevala log. But what is it? Aryan discipline? Pran jaye, ragukul reet sada chaliyai, pran jaye parvachan jaye. This is Aryan discipline. That if I have promised, I have promised. That is King Harishchandra. If I want the Ganges down, I want the Ganges down. Let it take three generations. We don't give up. For the sake of the you know, good of the world, Dadichi Riji sacrifices his entire 
full of tapasya even his body this is the aryan discipline it's not something outward but something very deep inner aryan discipline recover the aryan character the aryan life recover the vedant the gita the yoga recover them not only in intellect or sentiment but in your lives live the life of the gita be in the battlefield and say that well i fear not even if i die because this is nothing but animal kill it is not what i am that is called recovering the gita and the aryan spirit live them and you will be great and strong mighty invincible and fearless neither life nor death will have any terrors for you difficulty and impossibility will vanish from your vocabularies for it is in the spirit that strength is eternal and you must win back the kingdom of yourselves the inner swaraj before you can win back your outer empire so here shrivindra is setting the tone very clearly that why the movement if you look at it closely he is revealing to us god's intention why the movement had to suffer the setback it had to suffer the setback because we are trying the outer swaraj without the inner swaraj the inner swaraj must come first so the whole stress changes on to yoga spiritual um, nationalism discover yourself recover the gita because you could see that in that absence of all that if india gained freedom even in 1947 after so much of bloodshed and everything still we were not ready people were hankering after power ambition leading to split of india just imagine in 1909 if we got freedom what would have been the state so he says recover all these then there'll be nothing difficult recover the inner swaraj before you can win back your outer empire there the mother dwells and she waits for worship that she may give strength so worship her by recovering this not just in intellect to become what the mother wants us to become believe in her serve her lose your will in her your egoism in the greater ego of the country that is the way to serve don't think that what you know is somebody says that um it's their part of a song but sometimes beautiful lines come in hindi then in english i'll say ye na poocho hame kya mila hai tum ye dekho kya kya hai arpan don't ask what i have received what has my country given me it is the most despicable thought ask yourself what have you given to your people the country to the world to god what has god given me why should he give <laughs> i mean one could ask <laughs> he has given you life i mean i am just answering it he gave you life he gave you discernment he gave you hands and feet he gave you speech eyes ears everything now what more you want him to give you food in your mouth these are the means he gave you to grow and evolve and to what extent you can grow you can grow out of this half animal humanity into the divine humanity this is what he has given us aspiration he has planted faith these are the gifts of god what has god done for me and given me are what what more you want so what now you should ask only one thing what you can give how you can we can give back how we can serve him who has given everything your separate selfishness in the service of humanity recover the source of all strength in yourself and all else will be added to you this is where the bhavani resides and when we discover her not just the 10 armed goddess but million armed goddess then all else is added social soundness because when you walk you walk with head held high why because you are none else but a child of bhavani shall the person shall a person fear i once asked one of the ch- ch- you know children child i said you know the perfect cure for all fear and underconfidence go into this world with this thought this faith this knowledge if nothing else this belief that you are mother's child and the mother is walking with you so i asked will there be any fear no 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 way children know it but as we grow adult no left side of the brain ha ah, that is okay but actually i don't see the mother are you can't see even beyond the tip of your nose you want to see the mother 
<laughs> you can't see this. Behold the material universe. Even a single sun is enough for our gaze. Even to the moon we cannot see constantly without blinking. And you want to see that? From whom everything has emerged? So live with that faith that I am mother's child and she walks with me. Intellectual preeminence because she is the source of all light. Political freedom, the mastery of human thought, the hegemony of the world. So we'll stop here. We'll continue this uh, Karmi Yogin in the next talk also because something very powerful and beautiful. Namaste.